health naturally for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's New Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre. We are going to talk about the olive. Now, Jean has rung in from Melbourne. Melbourne, now, that is a nice long telephone connection, Jean. Yes, hello. Hello, Jean. Yes, Dennis, yes. Um, I have a question about a fungal nail infection. Yes, yes. Yes, so I started with uh, one finger, mm-hmm. and uh, and now I have quite a few. Okay. And I tried a lot of things, yes. uh, such as uh, tea tree oil yes. and uh, apple cider vinegar mm-hmm. and a coconut oil. Mm-hmm. I also used um, um, the paint from the chemist. Yes. And that uh, they... I find that they just help okay. they're and not, control they're, a bit. They're, they're not getting rid of it for you? No. Okay. Look, one thing that I would suggest is um, neem oil, N-double-E-M, neem oil. Yep. Now, you live in Melbourne, and Melbourne has a very significant and vibrant Indian community, and uh, it's interesting that only two months ago uh, that community invited me down to Melbourne to give a lecture at an Ayurvedic seminar and Melbourne has always been the heartland of my lecturing and I I know a lot of people down there and I love the Indian population I love Indian food and I love interestingly Indian medicine and there is a preparation called neem oil which you should be able to get from some of the uh, Indian outlets down there whether they be Indian food stores or Indian pharmacies it's a very common and very very economic uh, preparation. I purchase it uh, locally here in the Hunter and on the Central Coast, and it is very inexpensive. Uh, and neem, for the sake of listeners generally, uh, has multiple benefits, particularly as an antimicrobial and antifungal agent, and is, a, is the basis of many topical applications. And for fungal conditions yep. of the toes or the fingers, I would see it as a very useful starting base and a very inexpensive starting base. And if you're able to Google up the herb on the uh, on the net, you will find support for what I'm All saying right. about its potential antifungal benefits. Try that as a starter. There are other uh, better-known Western herbs, uh, particularly the herb Golden Seal. Golden Seal, which, yep. Which in a tincture form, T-I-N-C-T-U-R-E, yep. is also a useful agent to consider. It has what's called an alkaloid in it called berberine, and berberine is very broad spectrum as far as its antimicrobial properties, fungal, bacterial, and viral. So there are two options, but but start with the neem oil. You'll be able to procure it, as I've said, very easily from some of the uh, Indian food outlets in in, in Melbourne. Give that a go, but also think of golden seal and get back on the program, I know you ring me periodically, and uh, that's fine. I spoke to you yesterday. Um, yep. But get back and let us know down the track how you're going with the neem oil for a fungal condition of your fingers. Okay. Oh, that's great. So the neem oil, is it for to, to paint the fingernails? Yes. It's, it's, it is. You can do it similarly to the way that you have used tea tree oil. That is, yep. you can, uh, say, get a little bowl. And while you're watching telly or listening to our program, uh-huh, you can have your fingers appropriately soaking All right. in the neem oil. Or you can dab it uh, with, say, a cotton uh, wool preparation that's been soaked in the neem oil. Okay. You try and that. I can't can get 
from the Indian spice shop. You would indeed. You would indeed. Now, if you have trouble, look, you shouldn't. India, um, Melbourne is the capital, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, there's uh, plenty, uh, yeah, plenty uh, Indian uh, shops here. And, and, yeah. lovely, and lovely, wonderful people. You you go there and uh, mention my name, and they might even give you a discount. I'm only joking. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. I will do that, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, now, see you later. Jean, okay, thank you very much. Jean, okay, it's interesting. You, you say that you've been listening to the program on podcast. Yes. And uh, you get that through the website? Um, yes, my husband downloaded on my phone, so I have been catching up. Well done. So it can happen even as far away as Melbourne. Yes, well done. I love like it. That's great. <laughs> great. So much. Thank you very Thank, much. Thanks for your call. Glenn from North Rothbury, you're worried about arthritis. Yes, I just wanted to ask Dennis about a, um, a supplement that I, my doctor mentioned it, but he couldn't remember the name of it. I'm oh, just. Okay. I, Oh, sorry, you're there. I was just going to give you a few clues. I yes. just thought you might have um, yes. known. I've seen him on an unrelated matter, and we, I had an accident oh, a year and a half ago. Yes. Pretty bad motorbike and yes. got traumatic arthritis. Yes. I've tried everything. I've seen you in the past about yes. different things. Yes. Um, but he mentioned that one of his patients had a, a supplement that uh, regrew uh, a fair percentage of uh, the bone cartilage. And this other yes. guy's uh, doctor was quite amazed at it. Yes. He said it was a non-prescription thing. Um, it was a like a health food type supplement. Okay. And it was, he said it was a precursor to uh, testosterone. Okay. I just thought that might have... He can't remember the name. And now, now, yeah, I'm a bit stuck as to what to do. Okay, look, there are a couple of things that uh, may uh, be useful here, which could have been in your doctor's mind. Um, yep. One of those substances is called Allantoin, A-L-L-A-N-T-O-I-N. Now, Allantoin is not a prescription substance, and it's not easily procured, but it is fairly well known in the technical literature as an agent that does promote healthy uh, uh, proliferation of bone and is used popularly in dealing with injury conditions where the, where the, 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 the healing of the bone is slow and where even some of the supportive tissue around it is still traumatised and not doing well. So Allantoin is certainly something to think about, and I have, a, in fact, a patient and a client who regularly sees me in my Cessnock rooms where I consult every second uh, Tuesday of the month, and this uh, lady is the greatest fan that I've ever had uh, of Allantoin, and she has used it and has promoted its benefits to so many people that we have difficulty keeping up with the supply of it, which okay. which, which basically means that if you were to go uh, to Bowen's Natural Therapy Centre in Cumberland Street, Cessnock, and you know where that is, I do. Uh, uh, just up from the produce store, um, they're open every day of the week and they stock the supplements that I talk about. You'd certainly, sure. uh, you'd certainly be able to procure... Um, Allantoin, which comes in a powdered form and is very inexpensive, so that may be one sure. thing. That may be one thing that um, that your your doctor was thinking about. The other thing, the other thing, may well have been the herb wild yam. Now, uh, okay. now let me explain why. Wild yam is a precursor of many hormones. Uh, people probably don't realise that the the contraceptive pill was originally based on an extract of wild yam, and it is a precursor also for other hormonal substances. 
Now, wild yam, botanically known as Dioscuria villosa, is a very popularly prescribed herb by professional medical herbalists such as myself, and it has mm. it has significant, significant antiarthritic um, and anti-inflammatory and anti-spasmodic characteristics, and I use it as the basis of a mix, particularly for dealing with rheumatoid conditions and equally complicated uh, joint conditions. It could be mm. the, it could be the herb. Uh, yeah, because, like because it. of mm. its because of its precursor reputation, wild sure. yam, Dioscaria villosa, not a popularly uh, available herb because it's a medicinal herb. Not many people know about it. Obviously, it wouldn't be popular in a health food store because of the of the nature of its benefits. But again, in a liquid extract form, it's readily available from professional practices and where you are. Uh, you could whip down and get it from from um, Sally's place. Where do you, where do you live, Glenn? I have a property in North Rothbury, as you probably yeah. know. And so before, yeah. before we go any further, you're getting rain there. Oh, it's beautiful. I'm in the garden now, trying to try to dig it last week, and it wouldn't penetrate now. But you're getting it's, it now. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. You're yeah, getting it lovely. now. Oh, that's good. I'm I'm hoping yeah. that by summertime, my dams will be uh, a little bit more full than what they are. Look, whip into Sal's place. Uh, Sally Bowles, I shouldn't say Sal's place, but uh, go into Sally's place in um, in Cumberland Street, who stock all of my products. Talk to them about Allentoyne and talk to them about the extract of wild yam and discuss that with your doctor. I'm sure it would be one or either of those. Is, is it safe to take? Uh, would it complicate anything? No, look, the Al- wild Al- yam preparation? Al- Allentoyne uh, would not be likely to conflict with anything. And with wild yam... I'm not aware of its ability to clash with anything that uh, you would, okay. have been, would have been prescribed. But there again, um, you could, while you're in the in the rooms at um, Bowen's Natural Therapy Centre, uh, there would be literature there that would look at interactions. But as far as I'm aware, um, there would be uh, it would be unlikely to clash with anything you could oh, not. Thank you very much. Okay, Thank Glenn. See Thank, how you go. Thank you, Glenn, for your call, 49216216, as we go over to Rutherford now. And Marie, Marie, diverticulitis is your problem at the moment. Well, it's my husband's problem, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, um, Marie. My husband's recent... Hello, Dennis. How are you? I'm well, thank you. That's good. My husband's recently been diagnosed with diverticulitis. Yes. And I was just wondering if there's anything you can recommend to yes. help him. Yes, look, you can, you can really uh, help uh, this diverticular disease. Now, I'll ask you a few questions, Mary. You're referring to diverticulitis. Has your husband had an episode of infection, has he recently, that had to be treated with antibiotics? Yes. Okay, because um, diverticular lesions are very common lesions, particularly in people in the Western world, and particularly as we get on in life, they're very common uh, pockets in the bowel, this is the way they're generally referred to, and uh, they only become a problem, arguably, when those pockets become infected, and that's that's when you get diverticulitis, and that can be a nasty disease which can only be treated medically, and that's why your husband would have been prescribed the appropriate antibiotics. Now, it is what you do now that is important, I'll give you a few hints, uh-huh. and he can run these past his GP, his GP, I'm sure, because I know many of them and they know what I teach and practice, would have no real problems with this. If you go through what I'm going to say and jot it down, if he goes on to this program, I'd be surprised if he didn't do better than he presently is. Principle number one, 
um, he must ensure that he's using some soluble fibre. Now, soluble fibre basically means fibre that goes through the gastrointestinal tract relatively intact, and as it moves through the system, it creates better stool characteristics and lessens the acuteness of the pockets in the bowel, which lessens the likelihood of infection occurring. That is probably the single most important thing that one can do, diet-wise, to work with your doctor in lessening these episodes. Start to include on a daily, regular basis some form of soluble fibre, even something as simple and useful as metamucil, something also that's useful is, say, slippery elm, but um, anything that has soluble fibre in it, a blend of them, linseed, uh, slippery elm, oat bran, all those things are regular sources and well-known sources of soluble fibre. Now, if your husband goes down this pathway, he must do it forever in order to get the progressive benefits on the bowel wall that is less likely to see diverticulitis occur. That's principle number one. And for those many people out there, and I know there are many people that suffer episodes of diverticulitis, that is a very important principle. Talk to your doctor or naturopath about it, but you can get those things readily from food stores or all round the Hunter here in Newcastle and further up the Hunter. Now, the second principle is probably a better-known principle, and that is to start to use on a daily basis what are called probiotics. Now, probiotic substances uh, can be simple substances found in, in things like Yakult from the supermarket. Uh, probiotics, however, come in more sophisticated and in a, in a more pharmaceutical form in various brands and in various names, but they give the, the, the bowel, if you like, a diversity of what I would call good bacteria or good microorganisms that keep a healthy, balanced bowel flora which fights against uh, infection. So the use of probiotics, um, and you can go to your health food store or your supermarket, get an upmarket one, one that's re a little bit, uh, if you like, upmarket, that's got a good spectrum of uh, acidophilus members in it, and start taking that in the stipulated dosage and work with that again forever. And the third thing, the third little treatment, is begin to use on a daily basis what are called garlic pearls. Now, garlic pearls are inexpensive preparations, a gelatin uh, shell, if you like, that contains the oil of garlic. And when that's taken into the gut, by the time it reaches the large bowel, it has a natural antimicrobial and antiseptic benefit that fights against the possibility of infection. If you do those three principles, which I've taught and practiced for many, many years, you will find your husband's experience of diverticulitis lessened. His doctor obviously will monitor him and your doctor will have no problem in, in recommending your husband to go on with this because in no way does it conflict with medical management. In fact, most GPs these days would certainly be recommending soluble fibre as a starting base. Okay, thanks very much for that, Dennis. Good, good on you, Mary. See how he goes. Okay, thanks. Bruce from Toronto. Persistent cough, it's really hard when you can't get rid of a cough, isn't it? Hello, Certainly Bruce. Is. Mm. Hello, Bruce. Hi, Dennis. Uh, how, yes. How can we help you? 
very a very annoying cough. It always occurs of a morning. Yes. And I, I, I cough up a lot of white phlegm. Okay. How long have you had the cough for, Bruce? Oh, over 12 months. I've, no. I've had a chest X-ray no, and good. there doesn't seem to be anything on this okay. there. And, uh, so you, you haven't any bronchiectasis or underlying bronchitis conditions no, or things no, such no. as that? Did this thing come on as a result of, of a flu or a virus or a cold? Um, no, I don't think so, Dennis. Okay. Now, I've been pretty free of the colds and flus. Oh, uh, good. That, well, that's, that's great. Bruce, um, sometimes persistent coughs have more to do with what's happening with conditions such as reflux. So I'm presuming that your doctor has prescribed something like Nexium or Losec along the way to challenge that possibility, the theory being that reflex can sometimes cause, or not reflex, reflux, can sometimes cause, uh, if you like, a regurgitation or a movement of gastric acid up into the esophagus and cause irritation or inflammation, which will then climax in the production of a cough. Um, Have you had any therapy along those lines? No, I haven't. I haven't, Dennis. I've 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 been on the uh, anti-decongestant type. Just mention it to your GP. There's nothing left field about that. My wife uh, had a persistent cough uh, for very many years and this was uh, almost a starting base uh, in the treatment of it. Uh, Not uh, always as successful in in my opinion. It's perhaps not a primary way of dealing with it but there is a role to test to see if this is coming on from a byproduct of what we call gastric reflux. Your doctor would understand it and a a short uh, course on a substance or a treatment based on Nexium or a, or a similar preparation to that might be useful to discuss with your doctor. Now, the, sec- uh-huh. the second uh, thing is that in your condition, and I'm trying to keep things simple here because I don't want you to be racing around uh, buying expensive things until you've tried one or two simpler things. However, however, um, uh, the use of garlic in any form the use of garlic in any form is always useful for lung and bronchial conditions. I spoke earlier about garlic in relationship to its potential benefit in gut infections, but garlic originally made its reputation, interestingly, in dealing with respiratory conditions, particularly associated with British troops in in the First World War, where various levels of respiratory disease was very, very common. Go to your health food store at Toronto and get some garlic pearls, and go on garlic to pearl. garlic pearls. They're very inexpensive, and start using those and see whether uh, the use of garlic can do a number of things, address any low-grade persistent pathology that's there, uh, but also interestingly uh, help uh, break up uh, the pockets of mucus and make it easier for them to be brought up, so to speak, in inverted commas. I would do that. And the third thing, the third thing that I would do, and again, this is easy for you to get hold of, is to go to your local pharmacist and get hold of a preparation called bisolvin. What is it? Bisolvin. Bi. Bisolvin. B-I-S-O-L-V-O-N, I think it is. Now, bisolvin, which can only be got... Uh, from the from the pharmacy. In fact, I saw some on the shelf of our local good pharmacy at, uh, at West Cessnock, um, very easily procured. And that is based, interestingly, uh, on a herb. Not many people know that. 
but uh, bisulfan is based on an Asian remedy called Atatoda, which in, in, in Ayurvedic medicine is their primary respiratory herb for addressing many conditions associated with the lung and the bronchi. So go and get some bisulfan from your pharmacy, talk to him about the condition having been diagnosed and perhaps even treated, uh, so it's been clarified and he knows there's no underlying things that should be investigated, and ask him, ask him for the appropriate preparation of bisulfan because there are a number of preparations depending upon the symptoms. I would be surprised um, if that didn't have some benefit on it, Bruce. The good thing about it is it is perfectly safe. It is unlikely to clash with anything that you've been prescribed, and it's inexpensive. Okay. Thanks very much, Dennis. I'll do that. See how you go. Thanks for your call, Bruce. And we are now moving to Budgiewoy. Arthur's rung in, and uh, ulcerated colitis is what you'd like to ask Dennis about. Hello, Arthur. Hi, Dennis. I don't listen to the radio at this time of day generally, but I just heard that you talking to a lady about her husband's diabetic colitis. Yes, yes. I thought maybe if I listen to you, you might be able to help me with colitis. Okay. Now, ulcerative colitis, is, as you would appreciate, is, is quite a, a nasty condition and um, without medical treatment can be really very, very threatening. Um, Let me ask you a few questions. First of all, for the sake of the listeners, Arthur, I'll just explain what we're talking about here. Ulcerative colitis means the the large bowel, the colon, has become inflamed and ulcerated. And as a result of that, people that experience that disease can experience very debilitating symptoms ranging from bleeding from the bowel, uh, production of mucus, uh, infection, and a lot of pain and colicky conditions. And, and in the past, was a, well, it was a life-threatening disease. Now, the modern management of ulcerative colitis by modern medicine is, in my opinion, uh, life-saving and necessary. So anything I'm going to say should not be seen in any way at all of conflicting with the, with the treatment that your gastroenterologist would have you on. And I'm presuming you are on medication? Yes. Okay. Colicide and yeah. sometimes protocide. Yes, and now, and I understand those things very well. How long have you had your ulcerative colitis for, Arthur? Probably since 1963. Okay, so anything I'm going to say here uh, would be unlikely to do anything other than uh, complement, assist, or lessen some of the symptoms that you're experiencing. The first, yep. the first principle I would say is to use. Uh, substances that contain what's called mucilage. Now, I'll spell it for you. M-U-C-I-L-A-G-E, mucilage. Now, mucilage is is found in very, very many herbs, but it is classically found, let me emphasize, it is classically found in the uh, North American herb known as slippery elm bark. And slippery elm bark is available at our health food stores, indeed, these days at pharmacies. Always, always available at Vitology Health Food Stores here in Newcastle and my rooms in 39 Alma Road. What does it do? Mucilage, when it goes through the system, uh, establishes uh, a microscopic uh, layer, a protective layer on the gut wall. Is used, for instance, in dealing with peptic ulcers, that's ulcers of the stomach. It can also be useful 
in inflammatory conditions of the large bowel as a complementary medicine to lessen the irritability of the bowel wall and to pr provide, if you like, some protective effect on the bowel wall, lessening irritation and inflammation. It's only a complement, but it, my experience in recommending it to many people over many years has been that it is a useful substance to use. So that's principle number one. Now, the, sec the second principle that might be useful is that there are a number of herbs that contain hemostatic characteristics. That is, they have an effect on bleeding conditions from the mucous membrane. The mucous membrane is the membrane that lines most of the tubular structures of the body, nasal passages, sinuses, and the gastrointestinal tract. One of those herbs is remarkable and is not given the appreciation that it needs to be given, and that is the well-known herb that goes back thousands of years in Western herbal medicine tradition, and that is the herb yarrow, Y-A-R-R-O-W, yarrow. Now, Y-A-R-R-O-W, uh, yarrow. Yeah, okay, I've got now, that. It's, you can Google it up, and you will mm -hmm. find that it has acknowledged hemostatic characteristics, and it would, in my opinion, be useful as a means of lessening some of the bleeding tendency uh, from the bowel uh, and uh, work with the therapy that your gastroenterologist has you on. Those two principles are worthwhile principles. If you were a patient of mine, I'd go further in talking about herbs with much more potent uh, anti-inflammatory characteristics, but there are two herbs that uh, provide a useful contribution to your long-term condition, let me emphasize uh, you should, you should uh, mention it uh, to your GP and to your gastroenterologist. That is the ethical thing to do so that they can note it on your management. Um, I would be very surprised if there are any problems in using that. To give an example, I treat a lady in my uh, Newcastle rooms that has uh, a condition where her nose will spontaneously bleed. Uh, it's it's, a, it's a, a condition that's not curable, but if there's anything that has assisted that condition uh, in lessening the amount of bleeding that she hitherto experienced, it was the herb yarrow. And interestingly, um, uh, her medical managers... Uh, googled up the herb and saw that it was useful for that and perfectly safe and were happy for her to continue using the herb which demonstrated two things a herbs have a modern application in some bleeding conditions and secondly it is becoming increasingly understood by the medical profession who are increasingly prepared to uh, work with these substances where there is good evidence and Margaret, IBS is a problem you want to talk about. Hello, Margaret. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Hello, well, Margaret. Yes, good morning, Dennis. Um, for the past three years, I've had, like, IBS symptoms. Yes. But have been uh, diagnosed now with parasites. Now, who diagnosed it, Margaret? Uh, who diagnosed that? Okay. Well, I've had all the stool tests done okay, so and you're, you're, through my doctor. Okay, okay. That, that's yeah. good. The, the, the reason I ask that is that my experience indicates that sometimes uh, people will presume this or sometimes it's been suggested yeah. uh, by someone in a, in a retail outlet or, um, or sometimes it's suggested even by some healthcare professionals who um, have not, in my opinion, carried out 
the necessary yes. investigation, but you've been yes. determined to have this or this condition. Parasites, have they been actually uh, named? Yes, it is the... Now, I don't know whether I pronounce this correctly. It's the, it's the Dient Amobia, D-I-E-N-T-A-M-O-B-I-A. Okay. Now, has your doctor treated it? Oh, look, I've had many antibiotics okay. from the doctor. Okay. Um, you well, know, I've had probiotics. Okay. I've okay. tried many things. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to recommend some, uh, some simple things here um, that might be useful for you to try. Um, go back to what I said earlier in the program. Uh, begin to use on a regular basis and don't expect immediate benefits, but persevere with it. And that is use the, the garlic pearls and mm-hmm. use, use them in the stipulated therapeutic dose. Now, the, right. reason, the reason I'm emphasising this is many uh, listeners and indeed many practitioners of natural medicine will recommend uh, herbs, but unfortunately the herb won't work because it's not prescribed in accordance with the dosage that will make it work. So if you're using any of the things that I'm mentioning on this program, make sure you are using them in a dosage that is reliable and is recommended. Now, this is particularly so when you are dealing with substances that have antimicrobial characteristics. If you're using garlic pearls, be governed by the dosage on the label, which should coincide with the dosage that has been agreed upon by the Therapeutic Goods Administration, start to use that because, as you would appreciate, garlic has a broad spectrum antimicrobial action which is very effective in the gut. Principle number one, and I'm hurrying because we're nearly out of time, the second thing is that I mentioned earlier, there are some herbs that contain what's called an alkaloid, Uh, which is a phytochemical, which means it is a chemical contained in many herbs. Now, uh, the the alkaloid that I'm talking about is known as berberine, B-E-R-B-E-R-I-N. Now, berberine is classically found in the herb golden seal and is classically found also in the herb barberry. Both of those are fairly readily available herbs and professionally are used by people like myself as a broad-spectrum preparation to deal with with parasites per se. Google up berberine, talk to your GP about it, and you'll see the rationale of using this plant-based antiparasitic agent. That, in conjunction with the garlic, in my opinion, should give you a, a good basis to start to treat your condition. So thanks very much for your call and good luck. And one last call, Dennis, for today. That's Anthony who's rung in from Mayfield and controlling pain can always be a problem, Anthony. Hello. Hello, yes. 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 Hello, Anthony. Hello, Mr. Stewart. Um, about pain, um, I'm the chap who had his, his face crushed by a falling rock, bushwalking. Oh, yes. Do you um, you were saying about uh, turmeric. The yes. pepper is, a, is a, a catalyst that draws the curcumin out of the turmeric. Mm. <clears throat> Ginger is a synergist. It has the yes. same pain-killing properties. That's good. And it also draws the curcumin out of the turmeric. Lovely. Now, if you mix a, a teaspoon of, of, of turmeric... I've got a very bad line here. The, the, mm-hmm. the water's in the joining box out the front, and I'm crackling mm-hmm. like anything. But if you mix a teaspoon of turmeric with a teaspoon of ginger and a teaspoon of honey, you've got an analgesic as powerful as a medium-sized dose of morphine. 
Well, that's very good, Anthony. We appreciate you very much ringing in because uh, that sort of information will help others battling with pain. Thank you very much. Thanks, Anthony, Anthony for your call. It's great. We've had some lovely topics. Um, we're just about out of time. We were going to talk about the olive. Shane, but... we were, and we will do it next week because there's some exciting information oh, about the wait. olive and particularly the olive oil. We do have to wait until next Friday after the midday news on 2NURFM for the next edition of Health Naturally. There are podcasts available, of course, 2NURFM.com. You'll find podcasts there and you can listen to any of Dennis's programs. You can download those and listen to them as you feel. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.